1: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Ashley Wynn Grimes. She is founder of the Cannabis Nursing School. She is an endocannabinoid specialist professional. We're going to talk to her about really where the industry is in terms of medical experts, really kind of understanding how to use cannabis from a medicinal medical point of view, and really kind of where are we in terms of really training, educating, building the... Uh The army of people that we need that really know cannabis, how to use cannabis, and can help people who are looking to integrate cannabis into their lifestyles, into their treatment routines, into their wellness practices, and, you know, huge part of this industry. And honestly, it's going to be one of the big lifts, I think, as the cannabis industry is making sure that we've got the right people with the right knowledge to help those that are interested in cannabis and using cannabis, getting the benefits of it. So with all that, Ashley, welcome to the program.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I love how you said the army of people who will help this industry. I love that.
1: I'm always careful with military analogies, but yeah. in this one, it felt right.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: Well, as the general of the army that we are building here, um, before we get into you know everything you're doing with the nursing school and all that, I, I would love to just get a sense of background. How did you get into medicine? How did you get into nursing? How did you get in cannabis? Give us the backstory.
0: Yeah, so I've been a nurse for 14 years, so... Basic, simple story. Somebody told me that I needed to get a good job, so I went to school to be a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, it was either between being a doctor or a teacher. I like children, so I was thinking pediatric nurse, I mean pediatric pediatrician. And uh-huh. then I felt like that was too hard, but I also need to make some money. So I decided to become a nurse, thinking that would help me become a doctor, but that's not really... The traditional path. So, um, and then I realized I wasn't taking care of children. Not happening. So, I went through all of the the phases of growth in any professional career. I started off on the floor, took care of patients. I handed patients medicine. I knew I wanted to do more in the early years of my career. So, I went and got my master's degree in in nursing education. Because, I mean, how else do you grow besides getting more debt and another degree? So, (laughs) It did help, though. I was able to grow more in my career. You know, I checked off all the boxes. I became hospital leadership. I went into corporate nursing, experienced a lot of trials and tribulations, um, ended up in quality care and health care. And at some point I was burned out and I needed to reevaluate everything. And so that really was my introduction into really holistic medicine. Uh My first step was learning about yoga and starting to practice yoga for myself, identifying that I had hips, like now I'm a healthcare (laughs) professional (laughs) and I'm telling everybody to exercise and I sure wasn't doing it myself. Um, My sleep was out of whack. Like it was just because I was so focused and goal oriented and career driven, I wasn't paying enough attention to myself. And when I realized that, like it was, it, I mean, everything was collapsing. It felt like around me.
1: Yeah, I get it. I get it. And so how how did the nursing school come about? I mean, give us a story of, of how you got to wanting to, you know, actually start working with other folks, spread the word, train people. Give us a, a little bit of background on that.
0: Yeah. So when I discovered I had hip, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it continued down the, the rabbit hole. You know, so to speak. Like I learned about the endocannabinoid system. I learned about cannabinoids and therapeutics and all these things. So in my mind, this all started off as a side hustle. I just wanted to tell other people. It's like I wanted to keep my job. I wanted to do the things that you know I had been doing because I worked so hard for them. Yeah. But I also wanted to tell other people about it. So what I would do is I would go and just teach small groups of people in my area. I just wanted to be local. I just wanted to teach my fellow nurses that were around. And then shortly after that, the pandemic hit. Yep. And, you know, forced everything online, obviously. But as I started to teach more and more people, I realized they weren't really doing anything with it. And so in my mind, I'm teaching you to go do something with it while I do other things over here right? Like continue getting my career stuff going. But the people weren't doing what I wanted them to do. And what I realized after like, you know, really digging into what the issue was, it really was the stigma A lot of nurses didn't want to, or healthcare professionals didn't want to really, even though they had the information, didn't really want to put themselves out there because they were scared of losing their license. Sure. They were scared of, you know, repercussions. They didn't want to lose their jobs. You know, all these things kind of came into play. Family didn't support. Maybe they didn't have money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now the question, or then the question was, how do I motivate, empower, encourage, teach other nurses how to kind of step outside of their comfort zone? And then I just went down this entrepreneurial rabbit hole <laughs> and, <laughs> and somehow I ended up here today. I wrote a children's book. I wrote stigmatized all of these in an attempt to empower other healthcare professionals to do something with this knowledge. And I woke up in 2023, it seems, and I was like, you know what? I don't know how to start the cannabis nursing school.
1: So many things in there that I want to kind of dig into. Why don't we start with the whole, I mean, you mentioned that people were learning about this, nurses, medical professionals were learning about this, but not using it. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the the worry about the license and the stigmatization. Tell me more about that. Like what really happens or what is the issue for medical professionals interested in getting involved in cannabis?
0: That well, we, we spend a lot of time, you know, trying to get our licensure, right? And mm-hmm. so there are a lot of rules. We have a whole book for nurses specifically that called the Nurse Practice Act that tell us everything that we have to do that essentially maintains our licensure, whether it's getting continuing education, whether it's practicing a certain way, whether it's our interactions with patients, et cetera. The problem is that nobody really reads the book. <laughs> And so there's, it's almost like a carrot dangling over our head where it's like, oh no, I'm scared somebody's going to take my license. And it has happened, you know, where, yeah, yeah, where, where nurses were positive on a top screen or something along those lines when they apply for a job or whatever, where their license was taken away. But to operate as an entrepreneur in this space, that is not like your entity is over here, right? If you start a business, that's that. And your licensure is this. Right. And as long as you're not doing anything illegal, as long as you're not showing up, um, intoxicated while you're caring for patients or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, intoxication is a nuanced word that can be defined differently depending on saying it. But as long as you're not doing any of those things, there are no real repercussions that the the board of nursing can do. But for some reason, we, we feel as though there's some sort of like halo circling us where we have to operate in this perfection operate in a way that society says is the best, you know, we were heroes of the pandemic. It's all of these kind of, I want to say psychological, but I don't think that's the the right term. But these nuances around how we're supposed to perform while we're working professionally and personally, and there's no delineation
1: between the two. So I'm curious on that. So for a medical professional, so to say take nursing in this case. Mm-hmm. So the 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 state regulates. If I'm if I understand it right, the state regulates the profession, so that there's a state board of nursing mm-hmm. that if if you hold a license, that they can take away your license if you uh, under certain circumstances. And what you're saying is that it's really only if you're showing up to perform nursing duties under the influence. But the problem is, is, I mean, I guess have nurses, have people that held licenses got into trouble if they are affiliated with a cannabis company or post on social media that they're a cannabis user or like what are the, what's the gray area or what's the sort of the challenges that professionals face in terms of practical issues with holding their license?
0: So if a nurse, let's say is exhausted, she's tired, she's sleeping and maybe makes a a medication error, Uh right? And so you have to go through a certain process in order for them to determine whether or not you work on any patients at risk, uh-huh. patient safety, you know, that. Yep. And so part of that process might include a top screen. Yep. And if your top screen shows up positive for cannabinoids, now the blame will go towards the cannabinoid profile in your bloodstream. And then, and it won't like, there will be no consideration for the exhaustion or any other issues that might be going on with the, with the nurse.
1: And just to make sure I understand, I mean, so this is a tox screen for cannabis, but I mean, that's going to be in your system for 30 days.
0: Yes, that's the problem. So even though that might not be, like, you may not have shown up to work intoxicated, but maybe... You were up all night because your boyfriend broke up with you, you know, like that could also have very similar repercussions in your day to day life. Sleep is something that is underestimated, under discussed. Like we don't talk about insomnia enough to recognize or to acknowledge the effect that it has on people in their day to day life. So many people are suffering from anxiety and can't sleep at night. Right. Another example might be maybe you are. You suffer from chronic pain and you might use cannabis for your for your pain management, but you also might be using opioids for your pain management. Mm-hmm. Both of them could show up in your system, but the thing that we're going to focus on is the cannabis. And because that showed up in your system, we're not going to acknowledge the effects of opioids in your system. So because of the stigma, if it shows up as part of your part of you, altogether, then there's some sort of judgment placed on you. And then as you go through the process, that stigma follows you through this process. And if it ends up in the hands of the board of nursing, well, now we can, you know, we can take away your license, essentially. Yeah.
1: yeah. Suspend your license. Yeah. So I guess where where are these regulatory boards in terms of really kind of understanding kind of the dynamics here and putting together better processes? I mean, are they Are they working to kind of rectify these things or do they not care? I mean, where, what's your kind of opinion on where the medical profession is in terms of, you know, managing this from a professional licensing point of view?
0: Yeah, from a, like a 600 a foot building looking down on yep. the profession as a whole, I, I don't think there's any attempt to try to address it. So we do have the National Council for State Wards of Nursing. They oversee our st- state wards of nursing. Is it? They've developed guidelines quorums. But the individual state boards of nursing don't really acknowledge it, or at least I don't see that to be the case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And probably and mostly because it is federally illegal as a Schedule 1 drug. So nobody really wants to touch the issue. Yeah, There could be things happening in the background that I'm just not aware of. I don't know everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, I haven't seen a whole lot of progress as far as perspective in relation to, you know, even our patients consuming i live in maryland so we are program is coming through in july yep despite that patients are consuming because we have a medical program Yep. but it's almost as if if that patient is a medical patient and doing whatever they're doing here if they come into the hospital we're going to pretend like they're not doing anything as soon as they come into the hospital so like even yes. addressing some of those those things like how are we having conversations with patients How are we addressing patients in relation to the medications that we're prescribing them and and educating them or critically thinking through how to prescribe to them based on what they're doing, what they're consuming outside of the hospital. We're just ignoring it altogether and we're not addressing it.
1: We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. So from uh so this really is about the your license and if an event comes up that gets that a review gets put in place and they do a talk screen that's where you're going to run into problems there mm-hmm. but if you are so so someone like yourself who has a, a a business you're affiliated with a company or you run a business that is cannabis focused or even I guess even if you are put information out there on say social media or something like that that you are using cannabis in some way shape or form that that is not a direct risk of licensing it's only if something comes up and you run into a talk screen.
0: Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, and yes, and so, and that's where a lot of healthcare professionals are like, oh, well, it's so new on, it's, it's, it's so much that goes into it. And I'm like, no, not really, it's not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the licensing aspect. But in terms of where the industry is and reputation and the stigma, I mean, I, you know, for someone like you who is working with other medical professionals and they publicly out there as being, you know, cannabis advocate, when you're working with other professionals, are they, do you find that they're curious and supportive or you find that they're dismissive? Do they, you know, do you run into issues with your relationships with other medical professionals because of your cannabis relationship?
0: Early on, yes. Um, Well, at least I felt like I did. And I've been in this space longer and longer. I've learned more and more how often people do consume Because I talk about it. Other people come to me and say, oh, I never told anybody, but I do too. In general, people are supportive of the idea. I think the more that I've communicated about my stance and my position and my perspective, the more that people understand why it's important. You know, it's not about whether you consume. It's not about you, person that I'm talking to. It's not about me. It's about the overall way that we treat health and wellness. And so from my point of view, the way that I take it is that we don't treat it, treat wellness the way that, that serves us as individuals. So whether I'm operating as a patient, as a nurse, either way, the way that I've been taught about wellness is not the way that will achieve actual wellness in the patients that I've served.
1: Interesting. And so and I mean, I know that uh, endocannabinoid system wasn't even really you know identified or yeah, you know, in, in until late seventies or something. I can't remember the exact time frame, but I mean are you finding there are folks are starting to educate themselves around the endocannabinoid system and or where do you feel the the general medical profession is in terms of understanding and being able to utilize the 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 endocannabinoid system and, and cannabis products?
0: Um, I think it depends on, I guess, when you went to school. So I, I graduated from nursing school in two thousand eight. So mm-hmm. no talk of it very much. Really, you know, this is the Ill- listed drug column here, the page. Heroin, cannabis, you know, it was all listed on both page. What I hear is happening more often now, though, is that there is a little bit more mention of cannabis. I mean, I guess you can't ignore the fact that. It might be legal in a state here or there. So they will mention cannabis, but I don't know how often the endocannabinoid system is being mentioned in traditional nursing education. Advanced practice nursing, I think they might spend a little bit more time on it because they do have, in certain states, have um, authority to certify patients, but Mm -hmm. not as robust as a patient would need if, if they were to come to them and need education, information, guidance, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the the nursing school. Like what how is the Cannabis Nursing School kind of helping? Like who does it help? Who is it designed for? How does it help them? What are your goals for it? Give us some more details there.
0: I like to look at it as cannabis education, entrepreneurship, and divine alignment like being able to operate in your highest purpose mm-hmm. and so it's for the person who's looking at seeking them to achieve any of those things mm-hmm. if you need some candidates education if you're interested in incorporating candidates into your practice that's one pillar we can offer that we have training for that the other part of it is what do you do after what's the what and then how is after so we support those healthcare professionals after they've gotten that education. And it doesn't matter if you got it from me or not, but we kind of walk through, you know, how do you define your mission and your vision and, you know, show up with confidence, et cetera. And then and just entrepreneurial basic stuff that nurses have no training in normally. And then the other piece of it is, you know, sometimes we create these businesses and then we create jobs and for ourselves and it doesn't really fit with us at all. Yeah. Like, I personally believe, like based on my own personal experience, that if we're going to create something, create something that's most in tune with who you are and highlights your highest, your gifts, your yourself, who you are, what you're really good at. So being able to even identify that, I think, is a process too.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, did you hope eventually that the work that you're doing is sort of incorporated in medical schools? Or I guess how much of this is sort of education that you hope everyone has versus really helping professionals that want to focus specifically on cannabis in terms of, you know, you know, the offering or helping patients with that either need cannabis or have conditions that are cannabis focused or are looking to focus on cannabis specifically. Um, Where do you see the future of this really going?
0: I would love for it to be a school's out actually was my beginning goal and I've hit a lot of roadblocks. So Uh I started getting creative.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good.
0: (laughs) But ultimately really building up. So within the school, I have a community called the Highline Tribe. So really building up that community is part of that focus as well, because I realized the more that we have people talking about it in, in a consistent manner. The more that other, you know, these entities that are providing these roadblocks will kind of say, oh, I think they might be something to it. So in my mind, it's a phased process. We'll get there eventually. Hopefully it doesn't have to be me. I really don't care who it is. You know, I, I just want us to like literally shift healthcare perspectives to be inclusive of holistic, holistic options and really approach wellness from a wellness point of view, as opposed to a capitalistic point of view.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's a good segue into kind of my next question or, or area is as as a medical professional lo- looking at how the industry has developed and kind of evolved, right? So we've got many states kind of went through this early medical program, limited qualifying conditions, kind of expanding qualifying conditions, and then kind of introducing adult use, rec markets, I guess, how has the industry served or not served the medical patient when it comes to cannabis products, access, you know, form factors? Like what's your take on how well the cannabis industry is serving the more of the medical uh, side of the needs of patients?
0: Uh, It's there. You know, it really is just about access. It's about, you know, so for a lot of people, the cannabis industry opened up access. That's fine. I think that's great. But only certain groups of people would take advantage of that access because of their, you know, they don't know. They're not comfortable. They, They don't have enough information to make an informed decision. So for those people, I'm very happy that they are able to gain access based on the industry as it has been. But there's a large group of people, the patients that, especially like older adults, people that suffer from severe chronic disorders that maybe can't drive, for example, maybe are on limited income because it's a cash business. Like all of those people have no access.
1: Yeah, no. So definitely, it's interesting to sort of see some of these markets mature, and you know, when when you have a, a pretty strong medical program, and then rec comes in and really kind of changes the dynamics, both of you know how the how the dispensaries kind of refocus their products, or literally how they lay out their Facilities, right? Like the, the experience for a medical user, you know, is, it's quite fundamentally different than that for a rec user in terms of what kind of experience they want to have in the dispensary or in the kind of purchase process. And then the products themselves, I find, you know, so much of these products now are, I guess, so rec focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll yeah. say yeah. Um, that it can become more difficult for medical patients to either. Have the right kind of products, or have inventory—you know, pr- actually the amount of production that you need for these areas—and um, it's been interesting to sort of see some of these companies. You know, on one hand, the rec market is so huge mm-hmm. that uh, they're—they're—you know—highly focused on more adult use products. But on the other hand, given the way the taxes work and the potential reimbursements on some of this stuff the medical market is actually more profitable. <laughs> Very cool. And so uh, it's I'm 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 curious to see how this continues to play out. Um I, I know a lot of companies that have decided they're just focusing on medical just because there is there's either currently or certainly in the future going to be much more profit opportunities because mm-hmm. of the way the healthcare system works and and who's funding it and things like that versus the the rec side, which is so heavily taxed right now. Yeah. Um, I mean do you see what else do you see in terms of the future of the medical market um, that you're either, you know, watching or hoping it's going to go in different ways or like what are the things you're keeping track of when it comes to the future of um, medical cannabis?
0: I just want the, the types of products that we're offering. Cause you kind of mentioned it already. Like it's, it's kind of right focus, but yeah. you know, I feel like we, cause the way that I, I kind of coach patients or, you know, discuss with patients about how they choose their products. Like I want them to choose products that have, you know, wide cannabinoid profiles, a wide range of cannabinoid profiles, and then also a wide range of terpene profiles. And we'll talk about specific terpenes and cannabinoids that would best fit their needs and then being able to gauge and being able to test out different products. So being able to know that when you go into a dispensary, there would be a one to one tincture available to you in a dispensary, I think is important. You know, and not having to go shop around from dispensary to dispensary. The other issue that I find that patients run into a lot of times is that sometimes the bud will sit on the shelf until it's dry and it changes the whole composition of the plant. So what you have on this this label does not,
1: cannot. (laughs) If if used within 30 days.
0: (laughs) Right. Cannot (laughs) match, you know, what they're buying. And, you know, they don't know better a lot of times, you know. And so I just would love for there to be a little bit more care as to what they're offering people and what they're serving to people, and then also providing, you know, our bed tenders with a little bit more robust vocabulary around what our patients are are in need of. Like, yes, a patient might come in and want the highest THC yeah. in the plant, and that's fine if that's what they ask for. Give it to them. But then, if the little lady who has back pain is looking for something and she's like, I just don't want to get high, yeah. like that's a completely different conversation.
1: It's do. You, I mean, I I know a couple of companies that are trying of experimenting with this. But do you envision this idea of of almost like a custom medicine thing, where you can sit with a patient and say, oh, you know, given given your lifestyle, your age, your conditions, what kind of effect you want, what effects you don't want, let's put together something which is, you know, fifty percent CBD has a little bit of THC has these terpenes, these flavonoids, right? Like you could actually prescribe a particular concoction that then could be. You know, through distillates or something like that. You know, put into some kind of tincture that then they could they could take. But actually, like a customized cannabis medicine is that is that interesting, or is that w- would that be like help really solve some of these problems about product availability?
0: Yes, it would. But what I hear is it's slowing down production, is slowing down the assembly line, is slowing down profit. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but that would be ideal.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it seems like we're understanding. And because you know, ten years ago, whatever it was, just like smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> like, now it's like, oh, okay. We actually know a little bit more about the the cannabinoids. We're understanding about these terpenes, and it turns out they actually have interaction qualities. And mm-hmm. you know, we're we're starting to kind of unravel the the plant a little bit and understanding what it's made of and how it works and and what these things do and and, and the form factors, right? The smoking versus inhaling versus Mm -hmm. suppositories versus, right? Like there's all these different ways to kind of get it into your body. Um, It it seems like we'll start to really understand what works and what doesn't work for different people that that want different kind of effects, but we still have work to do.
0: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. It is definitely a lot of work to do, a lot to learn. And, you know, we... We have to have compassion. I don't know if I sound like I was complaining for the past 29 minutes, but uh, (laughs) I do realize that we are in the very, very early phases, which is what makes this so exciting to be able to observe the changes in real time, to watch the the industry grow. Because I don't think that most people are intending to go in this as a, a cash grab. I think a lot of people are going into this because there is a significant why behind what they do. Yeah. And they're trying to help support people, impact patients, and they know the power of the plant. Yeah, And so with all of that being said, I think intentions are generally good, but we just have a lot to learn. Yeah. We just have to figure out the systems. Like we're creating constructs right now in this entire industry in real time. And I think that's also the beauty of these nurses coming and working with me because like there, you can create almost anything. Everything that exists in any other industry can be recreated in this
1: industry. Yeah, yeah. Ashley, it's been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about the nursing school, the book, what's the best way to get all that information?
0: So you can go to www.cannabisnursingschool.com. If you're interested in the book, is www.stigmatizedthebook.com, and then you can follow me on Instagram. If you just want to connect with me at Cannabis Nursing Solutions.
1: Awesome. I'll make sure that the links and the handles and everything are in the show notes. People can get that. Ashley, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.
0: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.